Hi guys, I welcome to another episode. Um, tonight I have Mr. Boomba, the man himself, in the house tonight. Um, Steve, thank you for joining me. How are you? Hey, how you doing? Thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast. I'm doing good. That's good. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. And of course, man, I've been meaning to talk to you for a while because the last time I saw you was on my birthday when you gave me Coquito. <laughs> yeah, facts. And you know, that was a cool uh, meetup because i never been over there in that part of campus. And I didn't know how much like good food they had around there. I'll, you know, I only went up there a couple times to to do a square peg gig, which mm-hmm. is great pizza if you're up at Yukon. Yeah, um, Square Peg's good, Blaze Pizza is good too, but yeah, they just opened that restaurant up recently, and y'all, what we're talking about is a new, um, Wings space, the Wings place on the corner, uh, by Price Right. Um, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but I went there for my birthday, and it was really good, and on top of that, Mr. Boomba here gave me some coquito to top the, top the night off, um, but, uh, Talk to me about your background. I know you. We were before we were recording. You were talking to me about um, how you're a first-generation immigrant and uh, you're from uh, El Salvador. Like your family's from El Salvador. Yeah. So yeah, we can get into it. So my family is from El Salvador, right? Like I was not born there. So to say, I'm the first generation here. So I was born here, but my mom and dad originally are from there, specifically San Salvador that's the capital it's like our hartford and soyapango that's like uh in the savi community they call soyapango like soya bronx like it's a condensed area like new york city like the five boroughs so they call it soya bronx and um they came here during like the uh civil war era el salvador had a civil war in the 80s war lasted like 12 13 years and they were able to come to this country through a, a refugee uh, program where they were sending Salvadoreños to Australia. They were sending them to Canada. So uh, most of our family is in L.A. and uh, New Jersey on the East Coast. So and over the years, that's where everybody has gone. There's big, there's big Salvadorian communities uh, on both East and West Coast after the Civil War. How do you feel being in that position, you know, first generation and all? Did you did that come with any like familiar pressure, like with school, college, um, um, socially? For the most part, I'd say for the most part, it, it was a um, little bit of pressure in the beginning because I spoke a lot of Spanish at home growing up. Mm-hmm. That's all I spent. That's all I spoke at home because my grandparents, all they know, is Spanish. My abuela and uh, abuelito, so. All my tias and tios, aunts and uncles, that you know, that's all they spoke as well. But in the work work field, right, the real world, as as they say, you have to speak English in America. So when I went to school, I had to learn English because I was never taught at home, and so I was in like ESL, if you know uh, what that is. No, for, I do, for, I do. For English speaking students that um, you know might have two languages now because they have to go to school in America so yeah it was very difficult I used to twist my words as a kid for the longest and I felt kind of dumb but over the years I'm glad that I'm bilingual because now it helps me in the real world again um, 
you know, I DJ, so now I can feel confident enough to do a quinceanera or a sweet 16, you know? One mm -hmm. might be in English, one might be in Spanish. In America, most of these kids are exposed to both languages as well, so you have to be bilingual and, uh, and honor that, you know? Don't be a, uh, a Yo Sabo kid, you know? I try, to, I try to be as formal as I can and um and use the proper uh proper language of spanish because uh we have a lot of slangs at home yeah so you know this might be funny um but like in puerto rican culture you know the kids is los niños or nena and nene mm -hmm. and salvadoreños my grandparents they were from the countryside so they'd be saying like bicho like it's a bicho like and and if you're talking to puerto rican people you can't be saying that because that sounds like <laughs> yep. oh, man, yeah that's funny <laughs> i didn't know that that's always the funny part between you know um freaking other cultures especially when i know um chocha yeah, in uh uh in polish means auntie but when you say chocha to hispanic it's just like no do not call me that <laughs> yeah exactly it's you have to know who you're talking to so to say so i have to be mindful it goes back to being bilingual i have to be mindful when i do a gig for spanish-speaking clients and um even american clients i can't I can't use all the homie talk, so to say, with a formal client because they might take it the wrong way. Exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, that's one thing that is really not talked about enough, especially when bilingual people are very needed for corporate companies, being a flight attendant, being able to help other customers. I've had a lot of customers who would speak in Spanish and I'd only be able to help them a little bit because I only speak a little bit myself and I'm working on it. but. Um, I think it's a skill that everybody needs because you're in a position where you can help either side and not many people are in your position. Exactly. When I, I know this about being bilingual in the field a little bit with the um, with like the medical field, right? There's times, for example, at my day job, I take care of my grandparents and I'll be, you know, a DJ by night. But during the day, there's times where I bring them to the doctor's office and they don't want to speak Spanish, the doctor or the nurse. And it might be a, um, a policy thing in America, but they'll have a translator on the line and he'll be, or he or she will be on the line and they could be from another country, but they are licensed translators because they know how to say body parts and and uh, you know things that I might not know, even though I'm bilingual, I'm not certified to talk about all this and that can go that can again go with their policy that they have for the patients so yeah bilingual is cool but again sometimes there's limitations and um i don't know to me i feel like it's kind of like weird that it's set up that way but i get it so it mm -hmm. depends on, on what your perspective is I think really you should be bilingual when you can speak not only the language or whatever you need for your job, but so you're fully able to communicate to the patient what is going on. I think really it is important that, you know, yeah, I get the qualifications, but at the same time, it's like that's very minimal to what they're trying to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't help 
like the time flow because the, the the medical field is, is is like the service field for for like um you know like if you went to a diner you want to get you want to get sad you want to get your food you want to eat so in the medical field they want to get the patient in the room they want to do their vitals they want to talk to them get them out because there's such a big turnaround you know they got like an appointment every 15 minutes and it doesn't help when in this country they have those policies in play to almost set up a boundary it creates a job for the translator but it creates a boundary that connection so to say right if if you're going to your caretaker your primary doctor it's like a weird like why can't you talk to me if you know spanish but their policy forbids it i think policies like that are just whack because you know you can only imagine when you know a patient like that is in the emergency room they're having a life-threatening thing happen and then they can't talk to talk to you in spanish like that's kind of just whack to me um i don't know i i didn't really know about that so thank you for telling me that well t- thank t- you for also yeah, telling no us problem. that <laughs> it, it really tends to happen only in um i would say smaller towns right like if you go to hartford right and any listener could agree if they're listening from Connecticut. But if you go to Hartford, there's going to be Spanish-speaking doctors. So they know they are in a Latin-Spanish-based community and um, pretty much in the heart of it. And so they're going to see a lot of the Latinos coming in. And St. Francis is the same way. But in a smaller town, you might not hear... Um, a Spanish-speaking doctor, a Spanish-speaking nurse. So that's why the translator system is there. And it and it's pretty effective. I bring my grandparents to appointments I know, on an other weekly basis, if not two to three times a week. And they always have to have a tablet now. So the technology, thank God, is there, you know, for these people. And insurance pays for it. Because if insurance didn't, ooh, that'd be ooh. a different story. I mean... I think it's just important that technology keeps up with that because I think I can't remember who was telling me it, but basically like into what um, now that phones are, you know, being more progressive, you can now I think either like it was sometime an ISO or app, but one of my coworkers, I can't remember who said it, but basically like they said you can like put on a translator and you can literally in real time talk to the person on the phone and in real time it'll translate who you're like whatever language they're speaking to the person i'm like wow that's pretty cool um i don't know like i think i've seen that on tiktok yeah you did um how do you feel about it i think um it's technology that should have been released earlier but maybe they were still working on the development and how to give it an easy application because I don't know like I feel like everything is trying to be like more less steps less intimidating for the customer for the uh you know for the user like dude I've seen babies use an iPhone and play Angry Birds and and be all up in their Netflix shows or whatever on YouTube and they're like just born like two or three years ago so I feel like everything is going to touch base. Like even the cars got the touch base. So they just want you to touch something and and ask it, hey, how do you do this? Siri, how do you do that? I think really we're becoming, like in my opinion, we're becoming too reliant on technology, especially with GPS. A lot of my friends, they cannot navigate an area without using the GPS. And I'm like, 
bro i've been in the car with my mama running errands and i'm like i can i can get around here like the back of my hand i think it's important that yes we use you know technology as a tool but we don't become completely reliant on it because it's just like you're seeing the effect like you know what this is funny because this will be something good that i want to hear your opinion on because a lot of the kids nowadays in school they cannot function without technology a lot of them don't know how to read don't know how to write don't know how to even spell you know words because their brains are like this generation before us generation well not before us but after us generation alpha it's like they like they're so like we're the like gen z is the last generation that was like that knew what life was like before technology and now gen alpha that's all they know so like all you see is like the kids with ipads ipads like you know kids with phones and it's just it's just crazy the effects you're seeing on this generation when they're trying to you know connect with people socially academically you know i'm not gonna want a whole tangent about it but like it's just interesting to me like the effects we're seeing now well i'm gonna say um I agree with you, but I want to chime in with this um, kind of perspective, right? When we were kids, I'm sure, you know, there were still kids who were reserved and maybe they were more into drawing and, um, you know, figuring out like puzzles and um, figuring out things of that nature, right? Or like playing board games more often. But there was other kids like me and my friends that we'd be on the bikes and we'd be out on, you know, all day adventures. Our parents didn't know where we were at. We were on the other side of town. And, you know, when we got our first like flip phone, that was our, that was like our tablets and our computers now, because we, we were still part of that generation that um, we played outside, you know, and we played sports and we were happy with a simple, PlayStation or, or Game Boy, so to say, but we didn't need to be inside all day. I got you. I get what you're putting down. I just think really, like, I wish kids would do that more. I remember the days when I was a kid, I would just be outside most of the time, playing with other kids in the neighborhood. I'd be on the computer a little bit, but other than that, I would be outside reading a book like just kid books but um you know i remember falling asleep one time on the towel in just enjoying the warmth of the sun i don't know like for me i just really remember like very much being outside the house as a kid especially when it came to winter fall i'd be enjoying leaves this and that but um i think what i get what you're saying i'm just like just trying to say like there should be a balance there shouldn't be like too much technology and too much outside time but there should be like if possible a balance for them you know to be a human like i think technology is great but like you see the effects it has on our generation as well when a lot of people don't know how to like handle confrontation or they don't know how to really communicate and they have to do it through a phone i remember one time last night i had a friend she was expressing some roommate issues with me and the roommate had a friend over and basically like the roommate was like messing around with this person that they had over and they were being loud and my roommate like not my roommate my friend was like you know what i didn't want to bother them like i didn't want to walk in on anything and i stopped her there and i'm like i don't care if i see bicho chocha cojones i want to sleep 
I'm like, if it's at 2 a.m. and y'all are making noise, I'm like, uh-uh, I gotta get up, I gotta uh, get up at work real early, like, y'all need to bounce, okay, that's, this is really side tangent in that, but like, and this being, is in college? Yeah, in college, and people are not, like, knowing how to communicate, like, I'm just saying, like, me, I'd be like, I don't give two shits, I gotta go get up early, like, y'all gotta, like, be quiet or bounce, like, I, I, I can't do it, um, that's just one of the few examples of my friends ha- like not being able to communicate effectively in that situation. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like it really depends on um, their upbringing because for the most part, you know, everybody in college, um, you know, it's a mixed crowd. It's people who are introverts, extroverts, but I think technology can um can be applicable to 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 break that boundary of the confrontation i i agree with that a lot of people would rather text you than call you i know that for a fact because you try to call somebody they'd be like yo 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 i'm busy Uh, i'll text you hold on and then y'all have a whole conversation on there or um you know if they actually are a person that wants to talk to you they'll video call you that's that's the other plus to the um technology um Mm -hmm. they'll they'll video call you but as far as your roommate and stuff they just don't understand that other people you know they got stuff to do too it's not just about you so that might be a little bit selfish on their aspect on their part like that roommate was very selfish and manipulative it's just like a toxic um situation and definitely that you pointed out selfish because like if i had somebody over like i'd be like you know what let's just go to your place where it's quieter and my roommates aren't there or we'll go out like music a lot they'd be bumping um no from that situation from what i heard the roommate like my friend's roommate was just hanging out with somebody and apparently they were wrestling i don't know what but like they were just being really loud no music played but um but yeah, uh, I don't know how, like, I get how, you know, some people don't want to, like, be on the phone or text when it comes to, comes to confrontation. But if it's something serious, like, I think this is, this is where I'll chime in at my point. Like, text can be misconstrued. So if, you know, if you guys talk in person or, like, FaceTime, whatever, you can actually hear the person's tone, um... see their face their expressions and really read the situation out and clear everything up that's where i really stress not to text but other than that i get what you're saying um i think it makes life easier especially when like if i'm on the run or doing something i could simply text somebody but like usually like if it's a good indicator for me like if i really am comfortable with you i will call you i will facetime you like i will be like hey what's up but the one thing i would like to point out yeah and the one thing i would like to point out is in today's world like yes we have phones but like if i don't text you after like a day or a few days i'm not ignoring you i'm just simply busy and or i'm just dealing with a lot which i am but um point being there's just a few people in my life where they were like oh my god you're ignoring me that's so disrespectful like no ma'am like i'm like living life out here like when you think about it back in our day and before that we didn't really have phones so basically like you'd have to like talk to the person be like i'll see you when i see you and that's it so it's just interesting to me like 
like socially how people's minds have changed to be so reliant on like um like how a person reacts when it comes to like texting time and calls but anyway that's another conversation but i don't know um technology is such a big umbrella and it just keeps evolving and i'm just gonna i'm just really excited to see where it goes um you know in a positive or negative way we'll see what goes on No, exactly. You got to figure out a better situation with the roommate because if they can't respect you, then it's not healthy for you and your peace of mind at your, um, what is this, like a dorm? Um, They live in an apartment and my friend, she went off to, she went home. So basically like um, she's not in the space right now. And I think that's the healthiest thing to do in a situation like that is if y'all can't really handle one another at that point, like creating that boundary is important. That's a conversation that we can also have too, is like a lot of people in this generation do not know how to enforce boundaries. Um, that it's hard, but, and you can feel bad after you do it, but I think it's better in the long run because at least that person will respect you more and you're teaching them how to treat you. So, you know? It's important to set boundaries with anything. Um, I've touched base with that a little bit, like in in your relationships, in business, with your family, um, and if you're at work, so to say, you know, coworkers gotta respect boundaries, and you gotta respect other people's boundaries. Because in today's age, you got a lot of people that they do what they do outside of work and that can't so to say um entitle you to to make them feel bad or or judge them because in america especially there's a lot of like gay and bi people or people transitioning now and um to each their own but like it's not always like a a promoted thing but they still they still got to respect like the normal people that didn't transition and stuff and we got to respect them now because it's a public thing like when we were young that was like very not talked about and stuff but now it's like it's on tv it's on the news it's in your workplace um so boundaries are important for everybody because um if not then there's always going to be that division in this country since like the pandemic and the whole george george floyd thing you know rest in peace like mm-hmm. this country been going like down and like now it's like more propaganda with um with the border and it, it almost makes me feel like um as a latino like almost like looked at differently because you know people in america they don't know who to trust now they don't know who who's the op so to say so i think boundaries are important but not everybody respects them and that's a big issue which is where you know miscommunication happens definitely you hit it on the nail that's been a lot of what i've been dealing with in my life lately uh is is miscommunication um i like everything that you pointed out especially with yes this country has been going downhill i think especially when we're all like keeping an eye on the election because it's 2024 but um and our options are not the greatest, but that is a, like, I'm not going to go any further with that comment, but point being, um, 
yeah, it just makes you think twice about how you interact with people because it's just such a very narrow-minded climate politically. But besides the fact, um, boundaries are something that I think everybody should work on. I've been working on them a lot. I've had to cut off a lot of friends in my life because they would not respect my boundaries. They wouldn't listen to me or um, things are just miscommunicated. And I didn't have the energy to deal with it at the time, to be fairly honest. And that's life but the thing that i would like to teach like anybody is you have to put yourself first in this situation and know your worth i think that comes with boundaries because if you don't know your worth you're not going to enforce the boundaries um that you know you need to so okay i'm gonna piggyback here with that um so know your worth and boundaries they kind of go hand in hand especially um if you're gigging dj like myself uh, I'm just gonna plug, plug me in real quick. <laughs> so. uh, I'll I'll plug you in. I'll hype you up. Um, basically, I'll do a little side story before you um, basically uh, talk about that. I um, met Mr. Boomba Steve here uh, when I went to Alexron. Um, I think like two years back, and it was on Art Street downtown Hartford, and. His sets are amazing. He can do anything from pop, EDM, um, Latino uh, music. Um, I would definitely check him out. Please get him for your wedding. Please get him for a party or a frat party. He will he will um, really uh, help you out and bring a vibe to your party. Um, but uh, yeah, he is the bomb. Uh, so you can you can go. Hey, thank you, thank you. <laughs> of course, of course. I appreciate the shout out. Yeah, like. Um, you can guy, you guys can follow me at it's Boomba, um, ITS like it's, and then Boomba B O O M B A, and um, for the most part, I'm like Hartford based, um, Greater Hartford based. I live out here in Vernon, but I I, I go all over the state wherever they need me. I've been um, out of state. I've been to Mass. I've been to Jersey, and uh, I've been able to DJ in my homeland, El Salvador. Uh, actually, last year on my birthday, I was playing at the beach um, called El Tunco, and um, it was like a dream. It was like I was living a movie for a month because um, I took a month off work, and um, I have family out there, so I went out there and I connected with the with the locals on my trips prior to last year. So I made some arrangements, and I said, "Hey, can I, you know?" get a, get a shot to dj out there and they hit somebody up and um you know sometimes you got to take that leap and just do it because nobody else will do it for you. you can't do it from your phone touching back on um technology and everything right like social media um you have to still be out there take that content do some groundwork you know like the footwork to to build yourself mm-hmm. so i had to take that risk and I didn't get paid. I'll be honest. I'll put it out here for the record. I didn't get paid for those opportunities, and I didn't pay to be on the opportunity, right? So yep. some people they pay to be on a on a stage as an artist. If you ask a rapper, and they're gonna open for like a boogie or somebody from the Webster or uh, you know, um, in the at the Wallingford Dome for the Oakdale, you know, it's like. You're going to have to pay to be on that stage because that's just how the industry is. Or your team has built you up enough 
to sell you the tickets um, that you need so you can perform, so you can cover. So there's the business is made. So going out to another country and doing it, it's a whole different economic. It's a, it's, there's a different um, system. There's a different set of rules. You know, like people are very um, pay your dues, so to say. Like you got to pay your dues to be on this or you got to pay your dues to play here. So I was somebody outside of their market. I wasn't playing by the rules because I had somebody represent me out there, like um, somebody in the radio station, actually. But I never met the guy. So, um, you know, it, it, it goes back to like, you got to set the tone for yourself, not just on social media now, but in person, you got to actually walk the walk. You know, like that Migo saw Migo, like walk it like I took it. Walk it like I talk it. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. I do want to point out, especially how you're starting to talk about the industry. We did talk about it before we were recording how you have to have a good support system in this industry because a lot of people, they're going to be out to use you. And you have to be able to tell who is really here for you and who isn't. And I think um, you just really brought like a really good reality check to a lot of people because I have a few friends that are DJs and they're like, I really want to go for this life. I want to like do it. I want to DJ. I want to travel. I want to produce. And it's like even John Summit himself, and y'all, just for context, John Summit is a very, 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 very big EDM artist. Um, he's mainly known for, like, house and tech house kind of stuff, but, like, he's really flying into other genres. But, like, real talk. Yeah, a lot he's, of a, that, he's a dope DJ. Oh, my God. Don't get me started. Mike got me into him, and shout out to Mike because he's an amazing DJ himself, too. But um, Shout out Mike, close encounter yes did you see his new logo because he's um he's performing uh in new britain somewhere now uh club right yeah he he does um i believe if if he doesn't do a weekly friday he does a monthly so don't quote me on on that but i know he's doing a friday so he's part of the um the lineup Mm -hmm. and it's um i think it's like it could be a weekly thing or it could be a monthly thing but yeah, congrats to him. He's um he's a very talented dude, hardworking dude, and he's helped. Um, you mentioned uh, where we met at Electron. Um, I called it Electron. I never I knew it was spelt differently, Electron, but I've always called it Electron. So I think um, I'll say Electron too. But um, yeah, no, um, keep going because I, yeah, so I, I put, that's how I pronounce it. Put a lot of that together, and, and um. You know, he, he brings his AV background to the table. You know, he he, uh, he works in that field. So, you know, he helped with that, like, make sure it sounds proper. And, uh, like, you want to feel that bass when you go to electronics, uh, dance show, anything EDM type. You want to feel the music. So you need some good bass. You need some good highs. You need some good lows, mids. Mm-hmm. Hear the vocals. You want to like, hear uh, all that aspect there. Yeah, and he's a. Um, I, I'm touching base on this too because he's an avid showgoer. So I've gone to um, uh, a couple shows with him, and uh, even went to New York. We went to uh, go see AC Slater. Nice. And, uh, and it was great. It was great. We, you know, it felt like uh, like I was 16 again, type or 18 again, <laughs> and um, going to uh, uh, my first shows because it's a whole new environment. I never went to this venue. Um, we went to Avant Gardner. Nice. And, uh, 
and it was like my like probably like my first time ever and uh it, it felt like i was going to my first show again and, well what'd uh, you think about the venue the the venue I, I i like it for in my opinion i like that grimy you're in the city it feels sketchy to be there but you're yes. there i like that let me just say i like i went to a bunch of shows with them um last year too and i don't know something about new york just that vibe you described it right on the nail for me i love that vibe um yeah that... you don't see that out here like that because they're set up more formal mm-hmm. but that vibe is um you know you feel it out there because it feels like mad industry warehouse like on a massive scale and the production is like kind of great because they have a bigger budget so out here you know our market we don't always get the best experience that's what i'm saying is if connecticut really tapped into that they'd probably economically serve more of our generation because why do you think most people you know leave connecticut in their 20s then come back years later in their like 40s like to raise kids and all is this Connecticut is an amazing state, but it's just not a state that's very progressive for this generation. You know, there's Hartford, there's, you know, Toad's Place down in, you know, New Haven. They have some spots where, you know, generations, you know, our generation can really hang out, but it's not enough. Oh, and there's like, you know, there's um, Foxwoods down down the state and then uh, Mohegan Sun. But that's like, that's only a handful of spots. Like, you need more of that. For our generation because you'll find my generation in ours like in boston or new york really that's where like my ideal fun spots are and um i prefer it that way honestly because i think of all venues that i went to like hot take like all the venues that i've been to i would say that you know brooklyn mirage is my favorite i don't like how they sell a lot of tickets and you feel like a sardine there which is some issues that they need to work out but like other than that it's such a beautiful venue in my opinion okay so i like i like i like where you're going with this about the venues and the experiences because you'll find that everywhere you go the markets are all different um my favorite if you ever get the chance to go um as far as like a rave slash concert hybrid experience where you still know it's like corporate but it gives you that feel is echo stage i've been there um i've heard so much about that it's in washington right yeah washington dc dang like it's on my list of like venues to go to um talk to me about it like what's it like there so it's really nice like you know you still feel like kind of like going to event where it, it feels a little sketch out here, but you park down the street, walk to it, and you get in line, you know, get through doors. But depending on the show crowd, you know, we went to go see, um, I think it was like Riot 10, and um, a couple like more like freeform artists. And um, it, it, it was it was like a mix of trap, dubstep, freeform, kind of like bass, like mid-tempo type stuff, because um at the time this is like um 2021 2022 uh you know that was like what was really popularized yep yeah you know it's not up it's not up northeast it's down southeast so Mm -hmm. they get influence from the from the trap 
trap scene and stuff so they have a, a different market demographic and um i don't know it was just dope it was just dope that people still like dressed like how, how i would see at a festival like you had the wooks you had the rave girls you know <laughs> with, the, with the um with the pasties on and then you had the um they yeah. look like the industry djs with the with the hat on very minimalistic look I gotta say, like, just the, okay, just to help out people who don't know what we're talking about. So Raver Girls are really the girls that like to be a little more bold with their outfits and especially with, you know, pasties and all. Um, and then Wooks are really people who, like, stereotypically Wooks are known to be people who do not take a shower and do not give two shits. They just roll, they raw dog it with whatever they got, especially when they're known to forget stuff. But like raver girls are those girls that you go to and they're like really nice and they're pr- they're really fucking pretty. Like shout out to all the girls that I've seen at New York and Boston venues. Like y'all are fucking hot. Anyway, point being, um, uh, it's just a really great vibe. And for people who are like, oh, I don't really get what what um uh what EDM is about. It's so much more than the music. It's it's the culture. It's the fashion. It's the vibes. And honestly, if you're not for the music, go for the people and the vibes, because you always have a good time. Um, I will hands down say that. Uh, yeah, honestly, you're not wrong. That the vibe is what brings people together, because it's not. It's like fashions change. People always get creative, you know, and trends happen. So people always have their own style, but but the music and the vibe is what people come for because they want a place to go dance they want a place to express themselves um and that is done through you know fashion through dance through social uh, interactions because you'll never see the same sort of interactions at a uh, normal sports bar like i'll give you an example right i'm sure when you go to your um your cho- your, your your show of choice or rave of choice you might see a flow artist, somebody with their um, with their hoop, doing their weird little hooping, and uh, shaking ass, or dudes going crazy in the mosh pit, right? So mm-hmm. you don't see that at the sports bar. No, you don't see that. You don't see that at Drake show. <laughs> oh my God! Wait, we can talk about this all night long. Um, that not only that, but then you know, like the light shows where they have like the the hand, like the gloves with the lights on. Like I'll stare at that for like hours. Like I'm like just keep going like when you guys go like if you go to like like shows like we do basically like it's just amazing with all that and then like people give you trinkets you can bring your plushie there like i plan on bringing my uh, bringing a plushie because it's just like that's the vibe sometimes for the night but like you can do whatever you want you can express yourself however you feel like it's very inclusive i know like i saw like a clip of david Guetta at his ultra um his ultra set from last year he just talked about how you can be any gender you can be any race you can be anywhere like your cultural background you can be from anywhere and this community will take you it's just like like i don't know i talked about it in one of the episodes where like going to like like a hip-hop crowd is very different than edm crowd because um uh i said trippy read but like it's trippy e um red but anyway, point being, like, it, like I experienced that crowd at Uconic the other, like, la- um, yeah, last year, uh, and it was just very disrespectful. Like, it's just like the EDM crowd is a crowd that's very rare, and you have to know what it's like to experience it. And the reason why 
people love the community so much because it's not a community that is mean because the only people that are mean is when they don't fucking say excuse me like i'm gonna say this again i really for people who don't know what lost lands is it's basically another festival it's a dubstep super bowl but um steve did you get like did you see the main stage at all for this year at lost lands um i didn't go to lost lands this this past year but i've been to lost lands a few times uh, my first Lost Lands was 2019, and um, yeah, I saw the the stage. They they made big arrange like big arrangements. They expanded it. It was huge compared mm-hmm. to like the year I went. And um, I'm down for it. I'm I'm trying to go. I'm trying to go this year. Um, <laughs> it, it looks like it's worth it, but I'm trying to go before it gets too mainstreamed, and it's gonna go up in price. Yeah, that's what a lot of people like. This is a side note. A lot of people are complaining about. I, I, that's what I heard a lot of when I was at Lost Lands. How it's getting mainstream, and you know they're kind of, um, uh, they're kind of just like selling to the main community now. This is what I'm gonna say for anything. No matter what happens, if something gets popular enough, it's eventually gonna go mainstream. That's inevitable. Um, the one thing I will say is no matter what is worth the experience, but what I don't like is how um, I know EDC got a lot of complaints um, last year, especially when there's an oversell of tickets, people pushing fucking 90 bucks pizza. I'm like, who the fuck is going to pay that? But when you're drunk and high as hell, it doesn't matter what you're going to be hungry as hell. But anyway, that's a random thought. But point being like facts, you get the munchies up. Yeah, girl, like, it, like I'm just saying, like, it's really rough when you're going through it and you're hungry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, those are my thoughts. Like, no matter what, like, it's gonna happen and you just have to prepare for it. But the one thing I was gonna say is, is if you remember how big the main stage in that field is, I literally got a friend of I and, and I back to the middle of the stage just from saying, excuse me, that is how nice our community is, is you know, all you gotta do is be communicative, be nice, be respectful, and we'll all get along. It's that easy. It's nothing big. It's not yeah, bad. You're not. You're not lying. So, um, I'm gonna add to that. When I've gone, I've gone with my friend who's um an injured veteran, and uh, he loves to still go to shows and everything. And um, when I've gone, I'm like kind of like his guy because he has a bad time walking, and um sometimes like he needs like a walking stick so he, he'll make a totem so he still expresses himself he has a totem he's walking using it as a walking stick we're going through the um we're going through the crowds and stuff and yeah you're, you're not lying like when you say excuse me hey the people if they're still aware not like tripping sack yet they'll, <laughs> yeah. they'll, they'll let you go like they'll part ways for you they'll even like hey hey watch out They'll even tell people to be careful because they can see the situation. But it really depends what kind of people you're talking to and at what point, because this is true for like during the day sets, um, maybe early evening. But when it's headliner time, people tend to get aggressive because they get territorial for their spot. And I know, especially with the rails, dude, that exists in any crowd, whether it's hip hop or EDM or rock and roll. Um, people get territorial as it gets closer to the headliner. In the beginning of the day, people are all like, I love you, plur vibes, 
But once once the headliners coming on, they're like, yo, this is my spot. I would say the one thing I would chime in and say is is this was like okay, so when we got back to the main part of the main stage for Lost Land, this was before Excision came on. Um basically Sorry, but... like uh I don't know, it was an interesting experience, but it was just like when I got back, my friends were like, damn girl, I'm kinda impressed. I'm like all I said was, excuse me, that's it. And that's what you got to do when you're in a crowd like that. Because people will give you bombastic side eye if you don't say excuse me and you push through. Yeah, yeah. It's not It's not um, hard to be nice and have manners. And people are usually cool with that. But if you want to be entitled, they, they don't like that shit. No matter what state you're in or or what show you go to, or who you are, or how many followers you have, they want to know that, you know, we're there for the same thing, having a good time. But yeah, um, if you say, excuse me, ooh, I've gotten my boy Sunbath from the back to the front, bring him to the porta potty, bring him back to the front. Like, yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not cap. People just got to have manners. Honestly, they, lo- they lose that. They forgot. And, you know, I ain't lying because I can't remember what show it was, but I got Mike and I all the way to the front of a show one time. And he's like, damn, girl, I'm impressed. Like I got like got us like midway and he's like, nah, nah, I'm good here. And I'm like, OK, if you want me to move you up a little more, I can. And he's like, nah, I'm good here. Well, um, yeah, excuse me. Like, I won't stress this enough. Saying excuse me will get you far instead of being rude. I think. You get, uh, I don't remember the saying, but basically, like, you get more being sweeter than you do being sour. Um, but point being, um, well, let's, you know, talk about, like, uh, how you're a DJ. So talk to me about how and why you got into the industry of being a DJ. Like, what really made you so passionate about it? Yeah, so that's a great point. And shout out to you for helping the homies because. It depends who you're going with to a show. Like you need to educate a show goer sometimes because if you bring a lot of rookies, you're gonna be cut. You you're gonna be in line all night, type so to say. You gotta know how to finesse something sometimes. Yeah, but, um, I would definitely say that. Like for me, like I never like I I used to like I haven't gone with him in a while, but whenever I'd go with Mike, I'd always feel safe every time. Um, I could say that. I would never fear like, you know, getting run over or being pushed. He'd make sure that I'm safe. And that's what I really like is you need to go like like you said, Steve, is you got to go with people who are veterans and are that'll make sure you're safe um, and go in groups. I would like to stress <clears throat> that, too. Yeah, facts. Honestly, especially for girls um, in this day and age, I think the buddy system is your best bet and um, going with somebody who knows what they're doing. And if um, you can have somebody who's like a vet that's gone to shows before or knows the venue and knows how to park in that area, because some people, the, the, um, the journey, you know, can bring you in different directions. You can you can be at a house show one one night and then you end up at a dubstep show and then or you're at a bar. But like that's bar hopping. But different shows different vibes different people come out so you never know if there's gonna be cool people or you know for girls i feel like y'all gotta be careful for the predators or getting kidnapped because that'd be happening 
It definitely does happen. Um, I don't know if you heard about it, but this past, like, um, last summer, there was, uh, uh, there was two, um, deaths from Brooklyn Mirage where people got kidnapped, and it was, uh, it was weirdly men getting killed most of the time, but, um, that was a target, like, that venue was targeted for a while, so I didn't go after that, um, I had friends that agreed, like, it wasn't safe to go, but, uh, point being, like, these things happen, and y'all need to be aware of it, and you just, like, all a person can ask is for you to be, be going groups, be careful, and, um, just be responsible. Exactly, like, if you're not, um, planning on being sober, you know, get a DD, use Uber, use Lyft, the, the problem with these venue sometimes though is you're not the only one trying to Uber a lift and that's where the, the the money might be expensive so I think it's always great to have a, a designated driver in my case going out to shows um I'm usually the DD like eight percent like 80 percent of the time just because um I have the car with the gear if I'm gigging or we used my car and most of my friends would would drink um but if somebody else is being my dd then you know i get to have a good uh a good time i could you know drink uh, a little bit harder than uh being a dd you know you could probably have two max in the beginning of the show yeah i definitely like to say that um i will say i'm very much a lightweight so my opinion is is like if you can only handle two and you're good and you're buzzed, you're great. I think that's a good thing. I think a lot of people are like, oh, no, nah, man, I'm such a baby. No, it's a good thing because you're saving money if you can only have one or two when you think about it because that shit is expensive. Um, if we're going to talk economics, uh, y'all, the most you're going to pay in Boston right now is like 12, 13 bucks for a drink. And in New York, Ooh. you're going to. Yeah. In New York, it's for worse. a beer beer really anything and um for new york it is up to 20 bucks for a drink so yeah new york new york looking like like you a festival prices now because that's like a festival beer mm-hmm. i can't stress this enough if you want to party in new york you got to have the money for it so yeah yeah you're not lying um shoot when i went out with mike out there to new york we um we spent we spent a little bit of bread at the bar, but you're you know you're having a good time. I have I have um my you know my opinion is they got to make money for the spot. They got to make money for their staff, big security. So it depends on what kind of show you're at. That'll that'll um you know give you different prices on your experience, but. Hey, if you're going with the squad, always pregame, you know. There's things you learn from um, from others, you know, when you're going out with your friends and still having a good time. Uh, you know, if you're trying to save money, pregame, get a little bottle, get a couple nibs. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're really risky, you want to be rebellious, then, you know, sneak your nibs in, um, get creative with it, you know. That's what the Wook showed me at, at Lost Lands. <laughs> yeah. There's this one video that I saw where um, a group made a totem and you know how they like, um, like, you know, SpongeBob when, you know, the Omni Nomi Nom character, the paper character. Yeah, the, I got, got you. 
Um, basically, they made a cutout of um, that character, and then the surprise part is they put the pizza in there. So once they got the totem through, they stuck pizza in. So when they were in the crowd and they were hungry, they basically undid the box, and then they had their pizza in the crowd. That's funny. So they brought their food. Yeah, people would be get, are getting more creative. Um, I gotta say, I'm pretty impressed with it. But yeah, definitely like pre-game at before you go so you save your money and your gucci but also just have people who if you're not planning on you know being the driver like mr steve said here um just let them know so they can take care of you that like not be a babysitter but but help you so yeah yeah so if you if you um if you ever go to lost lands like um anybody listening you just want to do a little research Make sure you camp um, with good clothes. You bring adequate clothes because um, if you ever go to a festival, whether it's Lost Lands or EDC or Ultra um, or whatever in between, just realize that, yeah, you're going to sweat. You're going to get dirty. You're going to get cold at night if you're camping. You're going to um, you're not going to want to be in wet clothing or uh, soiled clothing um for more than one day so definitely bring more clothes and um you know the showers are a little expensive so the wooks would would wet wipe themselves you know like you know you gotta do a little camping wet wiping you gotta clean yourself with madonna style uh, usually like the madonna style is what madonna used to do when she was kind of homeless for a little bit. She would go to the bathroom, she would take a paper towel, wipe her armpit, clean it up, uh, make sure all the necessities are cleaned. But that's what the Wooks are doing. But what we did is I, I, I RV'd with um, a few friends and we had a shower, but that was like a little experience where we had to make sure like the water was filled up, this and that. Um, but yeah, festival life is a very different, like a whole different world because um, when we were at Lost Lands, basically, like, there are so many people there, you can't even get a it message out during the day. kind of you to survive, right? Period. That's exactly it. Because it's like, one, you can't get a message out to the world because there's too many people with, you know, selling their service and all. And two, it's just like, you have to, like, be with these people for practically a week. So you need to learn to communicate with them. And three, yeah, making sure you're ultimately prepared. I kind of I kind of whooped it out a little bit and didn't bring too much stuff, but um, next time I'm gonna be like prepared, prepared. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you go to these things, you gotta be prepared because, yo, food is expensive anywhere you go now. Like, even Walmart. You know, um, my last Lost Lands was 2022, and even Walmart was um, was expensive. Like, you know, for camping gear, um, you know, we would get a tent there, blow up mattress and uh, your water bottles and your granola bars and stuff like that. But <clears throat> some people, they got experience with the camping. So they got the, um, they got the, uh, the, the um, how do you say it? It's like a picnic uh, overhang. They got oh, a nice. Oh, like, yeah, I know what you like, mean. You know, it's on the tip of my like tongue. Like a stand up. They clip it up. 
So I basically don't want to make this episode too long, and to accommodate those who wanted it for longer, I made this episode 55 minutes, but anyways, this is a two-part episode, so the next one is not going to be as long, but I thank you guys for listening, and again, um, be kind to one another, drink water, and let's talk about it.